Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Gay With God podcast, a safe place for us to share our stories and support one another. How long did we know? What challenges did we face? Did we lose our faith? When did we find our way back home? Or are we still searching? The stories you hear on this podcast will melt your heart and strengthen your belief that in God, all things are possible and you can be authentically gay with the God of your understanding. I'm your host, Midge Noble, and I am very honored that you are here. Hello and welcome back, everybody, to the Gay With God podcast, and I'm hoping you're having a good Labor Day. This is Labor Day weekend, and um, I'm actually working. I have some guests coming in today, and so one of the guests uh, that I have today is someone that you guys have known before and have heard before. I'd looked it up, and Suzanne DeWitt Hall actually was here back in 2021, back in December of 2021, so if you missed that first podcast with her, please go back on 12-20-2021, go ahead and listen to that. This will make a whole lot more sense once you get to know her a little bit better. And then we'll talk about today. But so right now, just so you know, her pronouns are she, her, hers, and she is the author of Where True Love Is Devotionals. And I can tell you that I have this book and it's amazing. And I find it very peaceful and very calming in the morning. And I like to start my day with those devotions. She's also the author of the Living in Hope series, which supports the family and friends of transgender people, the Path of Unlearning, Faith Deconstruction Books, and the Rumple Pimple Adventures of her beloved four-legged pupper. And she and her delightful husband are doing an amazing job parenting this young man. And the, the children's books are amazing. So her debut novel, The Language of Bodies from Woodhall Press, launches this October 2022. And I've already seen the cover. And it's amazing. Also, so well done. She is mildly obsessed with vintage cookbooks and the intersection of sexuality and theology. Suzanne's beloved transgender husband, Declan, is the powerhouse online community builder behind the Where True Love Is movement. And together, their work is designed to shine the light of love into hearts darkened by discrimination and fear. So I'm going to be putting some links on the show page where you can connect with Suzanne and where the True Love Is movement It is an amazing movement. You've got to go check that out. And I will put those uh, links on the show page. So Suzanne, I really appreciate you coming back to the Gay With God podcast. I've missed talking to you in person. So I'm glad to have this opportunity. Well, I'm thrilled to come back and talk about this book specifically and uh, be with you some more because you're a lot of fun to talk to. Oh, well, thank you. So the book that we're going to be talking about, and we are going to kind of combine the book that's going to launch in October with this book that I wanted to talk about today, but the book today is called Sex with God. And just so you guys know, I'm a... I'm an old girl. <laughs> so when I first saw the um, the title of this book, my first reaction, just just a second reaction was, oh, my God, she, she wrote about having <laughs> sex with God. I was totally surprised by the title. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But let's let's start with why did you decide to write this book? What where did it even come from? Yeah, so I've actually I, I was writing it's probably for about a decade. Um, it branched off from um, some writings that I started in the late 2000s, or maybe, I don't know, 2008 or so, um, on a blog I was called, that was titled A Theology of Desire. And uh-huh. it was examining, I was deeply unhappy in a dysfunctional marriage, and I had these hungers of my soul, and I started encountering Um, Christian mystical writings related to um, God's hunger for us and our, the way our human and sometimes physical hungerings mirror God's desire for us. And so I started writing this blog called The Theology of Desire. Um, So time passes and Declan had always uh, loved what I was writing there. And we were continuing with our deconstruction and exploring issues related to gender and sexual um, identity, sexual orientation. And meanwhile, um, people are increasingly discussing the problems of purity culture. (laughs) 
and uh, there's increasing numbers of books and just conversations about that. And so I decided I, I wanted to probe some of these topics um, because some of the post, what would you call it? I don't know if it's postmodern, but current post-purity culture mm -hmm. conversations have almost an anything goes flavor, a lot of them. It, it, mm -hmm. it felt like there's this swinging pendulum um, mm -hmm. of repression into, hey, as long as everybody's enjoying everything, you know, it's fine. And for me, that's not where the sacred tends to fall in the either ors, but in the in the ands and in the middles. Um, and so Declan and I were talking about uh, writing a book addressing this purity culture issue and what it's like to have a sacred sexuality. Um, you know, what does that look like? And, and how, do, how does a person explore that to figure it out for how, how they want to think? Right. And the way I do that myself is often through writing because the mm -hmm. process of, of writing through questions, thinking through um, for me happens most easily there. So at first I was going to combine these two concepts of a theology of desire and a sacred sexuality as one book. And then I realized they're kind of, um, they're interconnected, but they're, they're enough to be standalone that I decided to publish them as, as separate books. So, um, yeah, that's the, that's the <laughs> long story background on how this book came to be. <laughs> well, that's amazing because, you know, my mind doesn't ever go that way. You know, I don't, I don't dwell in sexuality so much. I, I think I avoided it for so long avoiding my own sexuality. Therefore, I couldn't really connect to being sexual, a sexual being. And any feelings I would have had, I would have shut down so far that it's almost like a non-issue for me as I was growing up. There was no sexuality that I could, could say I had. And it worried me for the longest time that I wasn't interested in guys the way all my friends were. And I didn't realize that I was gay. So that makes more sense to me, of course, now. But it also made me worry that I wasn't sexual at all, that I didn't have any desires. And, and now we might say that I, I might have been on another part of the spectrum, but I really think it was repressed, you know, authenticity really for me. So I love the fact that you are bold enough to look at and even explore the issues of sexuality and to talk about purity culture and to see where people flow and, and whether or not we have been so open that we miss that purity, not the purity culture part, but the pure sex, sacred sexuality of who we are and how we can connect with God. So tell me about the title, which, you know, of course, just, just blew my hair back <laughs> when I first, when I first read the title and it just kind of, you know, shocked me. Tell me about choosing that title because it is a shocking title, which gets people's attention, but I wonder if it's working out for you. So where did it come from? Uh, Declan thought of it. It kind of <laughs> came flying out of his brain and it, it was perfect. It was, it was so perfect because at the core of everything that I explore in this book is the idea that there is the sacred within us, the divine in us. You know, if you're, you know, from a Christian perspective, that mm -hmm. we're temples of the Holy spirit and the Holy spirit resides within us. So there's, there's the God that's within us. There's the God that's all around this um, omni omnipresent God. Right. And then there's the God that's also within the temple of this person that you're with even. And it's sometimes that may be yourself. Um, mm -hmm. So quite literally, anytime you're, um, having sex with someone every time you're having sex there the, the present of the god is there in a in a few in the christian understanding in a few different ways so so anytime there is sex there is literally sex with god um and so it has been an interesting thing i got an email today from someone <laughs> saying how could you write such a thing and let me give you some <laughs> scripture passages and you can have sex with god that's perverted and um mm -hmm. and you know, the day or the day within a day or two of the book's launch, we got some negative reviews on Amazon um, when they couldn't even have a copy of the book yet. They were just right. so appalled by the title, <laughs> you know, that they're, they're posting negative things about the book. So, you know, it freaks, it freaks people out, but it is also a conversation um, starter mm -hmm. to get you oh, thinking yeah. about why have we rejected God from the bedroom? 
Well, see, and I love that. I love that. And that's exactly why I wanted having, I wanted to have you back. And I wanted to talk specifically about this book because I want people to hear the backstory. I want them to understand that, yes, it's an attention seeking kind of title, even though I don't think Declan chose it because of that. But I know the two of you enough just from a brief amount of time we've we've known each other online that I know that when you name something something (laughs) that there's thoughts behind it and so I wanted to explore that not only for myself but for the for the listeners and for other people who are hearing about this book that that we can never just look at something at face value and not know that there's a deeper meaning Yeah, there's always Mm. something deeper. And I totally understand where you're coming from when you say that when we have the God within us, above us, below us, beside us, we were created by God. God is within us and around us always. And where did our sexuality come from? It, It came from creator. So if we think that God can't be present when we're having sex or if God's not present because we have sexual feelings, God created those feelings. So I love that you brought that up, that God is always there anyway, which can then make me really nervous. <laughs> <laughs> well, it can be transformative for sure. And, and it should be though. That's the, that's the thing. Yes. It should be transformative. Um, it has the power to both uh, sort of convict us of some of the things that we might be, the ways that we think about or engage with sex and it can also be revolutionary in improving the way that we experience sex so um yes it it should be provoking of us yeah 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 because i think that that in the carefree society that we have right now that there is little attention to where the sexuality came from and how we express that love for each other because everything should be to honor the divine within each other in a relationship. Always. It is only to further the divinity in each one of us. And I like the idea that when we, when we bring someone into our bedroom or wherever it is that we decide to bring them, that we're not just bringing another human person that has desires. We're also bringing the sacredness of both of us. And how can we allow that to, to help us to explore deeper what each of each of us needs? Yeah, I don't think we talk enough about, and, and part of it's embarrassing for some of us. You know, we never learned to talk about sexuality. We never were open about it to begin with. So, you know, I love that transformative part because, yes, we can transform how we communicate between each other and how we respect each other's bodies and what we bring to the lovemaking yeah. that we do. Um, one of the entries in the, the books, I, I think it was in Sex with God, um, might have been a theology of desire, is, is lovemaking is the ultimate namaste. Mm. And namaste means, you know, the, the divine in the God in me acknowledges and, and sees the God in you mm. or reveres, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we're, when we're viewing the other person as in that way rather than as someone to sort of just meet our physical needs or mm-hmm. as a um you know as a means to an end um mm-hmm. it's it's an important difference and also you know there's a another entry that talks about praying during sex which could flip some other people out but imagine the power of asking for this divine participation in honoring this person that you are with mm-hmm. in, you know, that, mm-hmm. that the power of, um, that forms the universe who wants to be so intimately and intricately connected with us. They're there anyway. Um, mm-hmm. but to ask that they be, they participate, that they, they fill you with, um, their love and power and that that love be transmitted through physical action. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, there's, I think that there's this untapped potential for helping us not look at sex as one shameful, which is kind of what you touched on. That's, that's Mm -hmm. how a lot of us were, Mm -hmm. were formed. And two, that it's not just an action like urination or defecation, right? Something that's kind of like 
quote unquote dirty that we mm-hmm. have to we have to do to take care of our bodies but um but that is that is that is shameful mm-hmm. um you know the creation is so saturated with sex at every mm-hmm. at, you know in our world this this planet that we live all of all of the stuff around us is is sexuality is embedded into it it is a mm-hmm. reflection of god in some way mm-hmm. so exploring that is a a divine calling really i think and i think that the kind of perversion of it and i'm not using that in a in the sort of traditional way of the use perverse but taking that beautiful sacredness and transforming it and, and and saying it's shameful and saying we shouldn't talk about it and saying we need to divorce it from God is, um, is the real shame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that's where the real shame is. Yes. Yes. Because all creation needs to breathe and it needs to transform and it needs to grow. And, and God is continuing to speak. You know, there is nothing now that used to be but we've evolved. All of us are evolving all the time. And until we're, you know, not above ground and still breathing, we are still evolving and growing. And And I think this book is the perfect way for us to take a, a deep dive into not only our own sexuality, but our relationship with God and whether or not we really truly bring God into all aspects of our life. You know, do we bring God into our chore life, to our work life, to our neighbors, you know, everything we do, you know, we move and we breathe and we live through and with God and sex is just part of that, that life that we have on this earth. And I would love, I would love for this book to make people more mindful of the impact of the connection they have with other people and, and be more intentional about those times that we're with each other and we're sharing such sacred space. Um, you know, when I, when I started, yeah, and yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that sex has been such a disruptive force in so many of our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it, it was in mine because the way that I viewed sexuality, viewed sex as the method for achieving intimacy and intimacy and sex are two different things. I mean, there can be sexual intimacy. Um, I, you know, that, that is a term, but true intimacy is very different than just sex. And I, the way I engaged with sexuality was so disruptive of my life and so reflective of, you know, millions of people. My experience is far from unusual mm-hmm. um, that it's uh it needs to be addressed and and faith communities often are too scared to do it it's too controversial oh, yeah. it's too too scary too yeah. embarrassing um, yeah yeah that i mean it's almost like the faith community says you have sex to have children <laughs> you procreate but that's all don't enjoy it it's just it's an action to a means instead of allowing that to be not only procreation if you if you choose to do that but it's more than that it's about coming together as two sacred beings that are are truly loving each other and sharing that moment um which i think that you know god is love so it's not like it's not like i think he 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 she uh foo paws that in any stretch of the imagination yeah yeah but it it has been, I mean, you, you touched on purity culture and you're so right that it became such a, a taboo to love your body, to look at your body, to touch your own body. It was so taboo. And it was, um, some people were severely abused from that. I mean, not, yes, there was sexual abuse, which distorted anything sexual for folks, but, but some people were just shamed and punished for exploring their bodies. Um, I can remember, um, I was, I was a preteen and I had a dream one night that, and I was so into this dream and it was a sexual dream that I woke up believing I'd actually had sex, but I knew I hadn't because I had woke up. I, I knew, I knew it was a dream, but it was so vivid and so real. And I was feeling, you know, the orgasm as I woke up. And 
I told my mom about it, which was the worst idea ever, but I told my mom about it. And her first question was, what have you done? Oh my gosh. And I just automatically knew I was in trouble. And I'm like, I didn't do anything. I didn't, I was, and she said, and she said, you would not know any of that if you had not done that. And I don't know. Oh my God. I don't know. If she was referring to me touching myself or if she really thought I'd had sex, but she was so angry that the, the con I just said, I didn't do anything. And it was just a dream. And I, you know, the conversation ended and wow. she didn't explore it. We didn't talk right. about it. It was just something that I had done. That was really bad. And, and it, it stayed there unspoken between the two of you for forever, years ever. Oh, We've yeah, never yeah, spoke yeah. of it. We've never spoke of it. I'm 63 years old. We've never spoken about of that again. Wow. So yeah. it's important, I think, for this book to help us to understand that the that purity culture that that impacted not only, I think, the gay community, but it has impacted many people. So how do you think that the purity culture impacted our community, the queer community specifically? Yeah, well, I'm going to just bounce back to what you were saying, you know, the, the people more broadly, you've got, you've got, it seems to have impacted women disproportionately. And maybe because I'm a woman, that's the, what I think, but a lot of purity culture was that, you know, springing from the story of Eve um, and that, that serpent, um, <laughs> that women are responsible for drawing the sexual boundaries, that we are the temptation that causes men to fall into sin, that we should be repressing our sexuality. And then somehow once we are in our, you know, one man, one woman, God ordained marriage, then we can enjoy sex supposedly, except that a lot of women, if they're used to repressing themselves their whole lives, once they're married, it, it's not like the, the key is unlocked and that's it. They can just yeah. launch into sexual freedom. Um, and also, you know, I don't think, I think males from that same kind of um, milieu, milieu are not sort of trained or discussed to, to satisfy and please women. That's not their job, right? It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's the other way around. So you've got all this stuff that's going on for the, um, the, the cisgender um, straight people. And then, so that, so meanwhile, you've got queer people who have to add that on. And you touched on this yourself when we first started talking about mm -hmm. how the impact, uh, you didn't know if there was something wrong with you. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, you know, I was thinking about this earlier today and thinking about the sexual revolution in the seventies and then sort of the gay revolution that sprung out of that, which my recollection of it and my sort of visual imagery of it are gay pride parades and a lot of um, like gay males, gay guys just saying, screw this. We are going to be out and proud and we're going to sleep around a lot. Um, and I feel like in part, some of that overt in your facedness, which uh, conservative fundamentalist leaning Christians now point at and look down on so much. They, there's so much disdain for. I feel like it's part of that pendulum swing where if you're going to be judging us as this thing for simply being who we are, then why not just go for it? And mm -hmm. why, what is, what do we even have to lose? Judge me for what you want. You know? So part of it, I think is that there's this lingering training in queer people's brains that they're doing something wrong. Um, that's, there, there is perversion, that there is all these things. And, and as we try to push back against that, there can be a lot of um, difficulty in figuring out what sex should be for mm -hmm. us individually. Mm -hmm. You know, what does mm -hmm. it mean? Is, is it anything goes? Is it, and, and when we can accept that God loves us, what does that mean? Does that mean God wants us to just do anything? Does it mean that God wants us to be seeking for something deeper and truer? And, you know, mm -hmm. my take ob obviously based on this conversation mm -hmm. is that God does want us to look for something mm -hmm. deeper and truer, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean what purity culture tried to tell us. Right. Yeah. It's not the, it's not the repressed pure. It's not the repressed part. It's when we think about going deeper and truer, it doesn't mean that we're supposed to repress it and feel shamed about it. It's that we need to be intentional. 
you know, the word intentional yeah. comes up for me when we're talking about this is that anytime I go into anything, if I'm doing it, if I do it without any thought or at all, I'm, I'm more uh, willy nilly about it. But if I go yeah. into something intentionally, then I'm focused, I'm present, I'm aligned yeah. with hopefully what God is intending for me or what I can bring to the relationship. You know, yeah, I was saying the other day in a post that I really believe that our sacred job is to develop that relationship with God. And once we do that, once we can, you know, we really have that deep relationship with God, then every, every person we meet after that is an extension of how God can live through me. You know, whether yeah. it's in a sexual way or whether it's in a, a podcast or a conversation at the supermarket, like how am right. I bringing my sacred self into the universe and how do I show up? And I have and how to be God, is God showing up for you too. Yes. And, you know, how is God yes. showing up for you through those people? It's, it's, yes. it's, uh, it's transformative. Yes. Yes. And if we could all do that intentionally, intentionally. is a, a very yes. good way to look at it. Yes. Yes. And I, I think that that's where we often miss the mark is that we go through our days in a frenzied way because time is time is short and things get in the way. And, you know, we don't take the time to settle first and then move forward. And, and this is a very off topic example, but we have one of our fur babies has had like this ongoing 13 year <laughs> event with us in the car where she can't maintain any kind of appropriate behavior, no matter what we've tried. And, you know, the, the whole point is that we try to go into it intentionally and calmly and focus on how we want this to go. And, and yet a lot of times we're running late. Like this morning, we came down from the mountain this morning because it was starting to like, just, it was going to storm all day and she can't stand windshield wipers and she can't stand the rain. And it's just this whole thing. So we were like hustling and bustling and then it's like, okay, let's try to calm down before you get the car. It's like, that's, that's insane. So I think sometimes when you talk about going into an intimate relation with somebody, you've gone to work, you might've had somebody online that, you know, blew up your, your, your post because they didn't like what you said. And then it's like, okay, it's time to have sex. <laughs> you know? Right, right, right. <laughs> come on this is our time right it's this true. is when we scheduled sex right we're on schedule <laughs> but to be it's intentional true. you know we don't take the time to settle and we don't take the time to get into a space of intentionality so that we can then be in that sacred space with another person that we love <laughs> but you know so that was totally off the wall but intentionally oh, I get it though so I remember um from the first time we talked that, that you spoke about identifying as asexual and and so um when I when I asked you which you were very grateful to to do it for me or very kind to do it for me that you sent me some questions that we might explore today and I loved this question that you wrote is that do you think it's odd <laughs> given that you identify as asexual that you would have written a book um you know that about sex just in general so tell me from your perspective how that was for you and and how it's playing out for you yeah. Well, I, I think I started talking about that a little bit mm -hmm. earlier when I was talking about how um, disruptive to my life or formative yeah. and disruptive and inappropriately, I dealt with sexuality throughout my life. And I think uh, it's, it is extremely common. And I also think that my particular variation of, sec of um, asexuality has meant that I approach it uh, quite intellectually because I don't experience um, drives in the same way that a lot of people do. So that it gives me a bit of emotional distance. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm not sure how much your listeners know about asexuality, but it is a spectrum just like, you know, the other, the, the LGBTQIA plus, um, spectrum. It's, it's its own little mini rainbow of, of variance. <laughs> um, and so, you know, some people do not want to have sex at all. You know, they're, they're kind of repelled by it. Some people 
feel feel some sexual desire some of the time. Some people just don't feel sexual attraction when, you know, some, someone who would be considered like sexually hot, whatever walks by, they don't they don't mm-hmm. feel that kind of spark of interest. Um, but they enjoy sex. Um, you know, there's a there's a wide spectrum there. Um, but I think in in so in my case, um, I find sex very um, very unitive and physical intimacy important and enjoyable. But I don't experience sexual attraction the way a lot of people do. The way allo it's called allo sexual. If you have kind of like on the quote unquote normal or typical range. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I think it gave me, it gives me a bit of emotional distance, but I, I think it's also kind of funny, like the Pope's writing endlessly about marriage and how marriage is supposed to work and things like that. Way. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, how do you know? Tell me how you know this. <laughs> right. Right. Why are you? No, but so I am still a sexual being. It's just a different, it's a different kind than, than some others, but but aren't we all, we're all different. Yeah. All of our experiences different. Well, you know, and I, but I appreciate that because I think that with emotional distance, you can look at something and you can almost analyze it and say, I see how that's not working for people. And, and it would probably work better this way. And, you know, the Pope, even though the Pope may never know what a marriage really is or how to get along with other people, but he does have intimate knowledge of how to bring God's love into everything. And he does understand how loving each other and treating each other kindly and, you know, being there for each other is important. So in a marriage, even though it includes sexuality, it's, it's still more about the intimate way that we treat each other, whether it be in self-donation. Yes. 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 And how that, how that comes back and forth, how we let it flow in between us, that there's a give and there's a take, and then there's a give and there's a take, and it's not a domination. It's not cruel. It's not, it's, it's supposed to be a sensitive, you know, relationship, not something that's demanding or. Yeah. One of, one of the entries in my books has to do with a a dance. Um, And I was just going to see if I could try to find it, but um, yeah, that, that dance of, of, uh, back and forth uh-huh. that you were talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, I really, I love that we're having this conversation because I knew that, that if you and I got into conversation about it, that it would open it up so much more beautifully than, than if we didn't talk about it. So it, it's not only helping me feel calmer and I can't wait to get the, <laughs> wait to get the book. Because you know, I, wanted, I wanted to say too. Oh, sorry. You go ahead. You go finish. ahead. Now I just said I want. I wanted to get the book, and and life got in the way, and I didn't get the book. However, yeah. I knew that once we talked about it, that I would I would understand it more, and I wanted to I understand think. it more before I did it. So because I wanted to enjoy sense. it. Yeah. Well, and I one thing I want to make clear is that my intention in writing this book, and it's it's kind of devotional in style, in that it takes on one topic. Um, per entry and they're short. So mm-hmm. my, my hope for all my devotional style books is that people take, that it gives space for people to chew on it if they want to read it over time mm-hmm. like that and mm-hmm. sit with the concept that's presented and figure out for themselves what they think, because there's not just one way, right? Uh, several, mm-hmm. some of these topics like um, polyamory, um, they're very, and, and pornography, they're, they're hot button sorts of mm-hmm. issues. And I, I think that they aren't necessarily black and white. And I, and my point isn't to say, here is the proper way to look at it. Right. It's to explore it mm-hmm. and to say, if God is love, then where is the love in this? And how yeah. do you, you know, like take polyamory. Well, we have a, we have a Christian scripture and, and, and Hebrew scripture are filled with examples of, of these faith heroes that were, had more than one sexual partner. And mm-hmm. what does that mean? And, and God, if, if God has this intimate relationship with every human and other creature ever created, 
then, you know, the God is essentially polyamorous and, and can there be a way in which humans can do, quote unquote, do polyamory in a God honoring way? And I know I could not, <laughs> for example, you know, I don't have the capability <laughs> of doing that, uh-uh. but is it possible for there to be a sacred way for that, for people who are not like me, you know, I've got Uh to say, if we're made in the image and likeness of God, that it's possible. Um, So I just wanted to point out that, you know, my intention is not to say, here's a handbook for how to do (laughs) sacred sex correctly, right? It's to say, how do we explore these questions? How do we, if if God is love, what does sex mean? And what do all these um, post-purity culture conversations um, and explorations mean? How do we, mm-hmm. how do we try to ground them in where love is? Mm. Yes. And, and I think that it, it also opens us to stop judging based on not having the knowledge. And, and that's, that's the other reason that I wanted to have a conversation with you is because, you know, I didn't feel judgment against your title. I was shocked. <laughs> And, but then I wanted to explore. And I think that's, you know, I think we're called to get more, more clarity on things instead of just shutting the door and saying, no, that can't be similar to how people now are shutting the door on those scriptures and allowing them to stay abusive instead of looking at them more deeply and finding the reason why, we are created in the sexual bodies that we're in, no matter where we fall on the spectrum, you know, that was part of a design plan. And I believe part of that design plan is for God to help us to reach past judgment and move into trying to understand and empathize and be, be the people that we were always intended to be, which is loving each other no matter where we fall, um, yeah. within, within reason. Of and, course. you know, it's funny that Jesus was showed over and over and yes. over again to not accept the black and white version, to mm-hmm. not ex- um, accept the, the judgmenty kind of, of story and the exclusionary concepts, but to question and to look deeper and to make his followers and the people who we're teaching these sort of more uh, hardline views to say, wait a minute, maybe we've got it wrong. So, you know, it, it's amazing that there's this, that Christianity has turned into such a, a believing of black and white when Jesus himself was such a person to say, this situation is not black and white. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's an excellent point. Absolutely. And we've yet to learn that. It's like, how, right. you know, some people will say like in the Psalms, how long, God, how long will we be right. tormented? Forever. And God's probably long. saying, how long is it going to take for you guys to get it? How many different <laughs> leaders do I need to bring to you? How many different things do I need to help you understand? Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. I, we it, just keep doing it. I know over and over and over. I'm, I would be so weary if I were God, I would just be like, yes, really people, honestly. (laughs) So, so let's talk a little bit about Declan who came up with the, the, the name for this book, but how does Declan feel about his beloved wife writing about sex? Um, He's 100% behind (laughs) it. You know, our, our whole goal is to, we were, we were both, well, Declan was hugely formed in the purity culture because his family were, you know, churchgoers and, and um, his formation was largely sort of fundamentalist leaning Baptist kind of Southern Baptist. And I didn't really come to faith until I was an adult. And when I did, I plunged into Roman Catholicism pretty heavily quickly. Um, So both of us had this purity culture, um, consequences that we were dealing with and seeing the pain in the queer community and in the world at large and in our kids, you know, in, because of the way that we were, we had formed that, tried to form them and the rebounds and, you know, all this stuff. And so, you know, our goal is always, Declan always says, we try to reach just even one person every day and help (laughs) them. Um, So sex being as strong a force as it is to humanity, you know, he's, he's 100% mm-hmm. on board with talking about it. Yeah. And, and the backlash that you guys are getting from this book, is it, 
is it overwhelmingly disruptive? There's both really, you know, mm-hmm. uh, our work in general, the, the where true love is movement. There's, it's been experiencing a lot of growth in the past few months. It's, it's approaching 500,000 followers and um, has a, has a reach of like 120 million per month. It's, you know, so it's gotten very big and which is lovely because people are getting messaging that is encouraging and hopeful Mm -hmm. and affirming of, of everyone's belovedness and all these good things that Declan puts out there. Um, But it, that also means that a lot of trolls and people who are just there to stir stuff up, come to the surface. So, Mm -hmm. so it's kind of both, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just a piece of doing the work that we're doing. I'm sure you Mm -hmm. get pushback from people Mm -hmm. saying, abomination how can you call yourself a christian um you can't be gay with god (laughs) yeah right those two things are yeah yeah so yeah well that's a good point i mean look at your title of this podcast yeah so you know you know how that goes you get you get both sides yeah yeah and i and i i hate that for you guys because i know how much you both put into your message and your ministry and it is a ministry uh to be open and affirming and and help others who are who are stuck in all of the hate and the repression um and so you know i I always feel i feel bad for Declan because Declan has a um a, a soft spirit and mm-hmm. is very empathetic and is very protective of the people that this community that he's been building for these years. So I, I write the books and he does 99.9% of the online engagement. And so he's connected to people and seeing and reading about their pain all the time. Mm-hmm. And so when the, when the, hate spewers come in, he feels it more intimately. I have the luxury of being more disconnected. Um, And I'm also not, I'm not, Declan's an empath. So, you know, he feels the pains of the world much more deeply than I Uh do. Um, He has that Uh gift slash gift slash burden (laughs) that I don't. Um, And so, you know, my heart often hurts for him and for the pain that he feels. Yeah. Um, And I'm a little more protected. Yeah. I've seen that, uh, you know, online when, when that happens and it's, it it does seem to take a toll on his spirit and I'm, I'm sure he's super protective of the, of the followers that you guys have. And when it comes online and they see it too, it can throw people into a, a tailspin, but you know, I, the, the work that you guys do is just so amazing. And I want everybody to find you and get it over 120 million. <laughs> but <laughs> I know when it gets really big, it's, it's a lot to take in, but, but the message is so pure and there's, there's just so much that can, can revolutionize the world through that, through that work that you do. So I yeah, really appreciate the work of healing. That's you know, right. We're, we're all, That's all right. in the, this work of healing. That's right. That's right. So, so with, we, we mentioned earlier that the language of bodies is coming out in October, which I'm excited about as well. And that, so, so let's look at how this kind of connects with sex with God. How, how do the two books breathe? Do they breathe together or are they totally separate? How does, how's that going to be working out? Yeah. I think this, this concept of sexuality, uh, it runs through all my books other than my children's books. Um, Mm -hmm. so this is the, this was the the third novel I'd written and all of them, uh, sex is a, is an intrinsic part of it in the language of bodies. It's the story of a woman who, a woman's journey of vengeance after, um, her wife is murdered. Her wife is a, a transgender woman of color. And uh, she kind of goes off the rails and just wants to, um, you know, make someone pay. Um, mm-hmm. So she goes down to uh, to where the the wife of the perpetrator lives, um, and and plots how she can make this man who did this violence pay by by perpetuating violence against the wife. Mm-hmm. Um, so she goes down to, uh, she moves across the country uh, to be near the wife and to sort of plot. Um, and I won't say much about how that all unfolds. Yeah, obviously. no, please don't. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So 
um, so the the title of that is the uh, the language of bodies because she loved her wife so intensely, mm-hmm. and the details of her wife's transgender body were both so important to her because of the depth of that love, and also insignificant mm-hmm. because of the depth of that love. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, part of the story, she takes a job in this wax museum because she has she has a uh, she's involved in, in textile curation. So that's, she takes this job in this crazy West, uh, wild West wax museum to be close at hand. And then there's these wax bodies and the, the stories of vengeance that these characters who are, you know, wild West heroes, just James and, um, other people and, and the things that they did and the crimes they committed. And, and so just this exploration of, uh, the lack of respect that was exhibited and the violence done to her wife's body. And Mm. um, that's kind of where the language comes from. So Mm. it's all sort of interconnected Mm -hmm. Uh, for me, you know, this sexuality is so interconnected with humanity that it's kind of all always part of my, my fiction and the the truths Mm -hmm. that I want people to explore through fiction, uh, Mm -hmm. which they can engage with entirely differently than Mm -hmm. devotionals or nonfiction work. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, with sexuality in general, I mean, people are always talking about how women are responsible for their own rape based on how they dress mm-hmm. or where they go or how they show up. And, and that it's really hard for people to understand that rape is power and control. It has nothing to do with sexuality and it has right. nothing to do with sexual feelings. And, and so when you talk about sex with God and bringing that sacredness into that relationship, then rape can never be of God because there is no sacredness in power and control. And God, I think is very clear about that, that we are not to, you know, have power and control over other people in, in that way, especially in that it should be of love. You know, there's nothing. It's it's really interesting that you said that because I haven't looked at it specifically like that before, but what I think will shine through in this novel is the sacredness mm-hmm. of this relationship of these mm-hmm. two people, these two mm-hmm. humans and how deeply they loved each other and how their physical relationship was a manifestation of that, a holy manifestation of mm-hmm. that. And that shines in the face of people's judgment, this current judgment about transgender people, the, you know, the popular conversation that's taking place throughout our country right now and mm-hmm. around the world and how degrading it is to the humanity of trans people. Yes. And so I hope that my, you know, one of my goals in writing this was to show how holy their relationship was, including their physical relationship mm-hmm. um, to stand in the face of this, mm-hmm. you know, horror, <laughs> horror <laughs> show of what's happening mm-hmm. in our society. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, you do such great work, Suzanne. I'm, oh, I'm so, so glad I met you <laughs> and I've met Declan through, through this online relationship. And, you know, someday we just need to get ourselves in the same physical space. <laughs> Ooh, that would be great. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? That. I would too. Yes. I would too. So we should have some sort of a get together with a bunch yes. of people that we know online like that yeah, yeah. wouldn't that be fun yeah yeah I told yeah I told our uh cross the pond friend that you know mm-hmm. if you're really gonna come to the United States you let me know we gotta we got right. room for you <laughs> that would be Perfect. awesome that would be awesome well I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me and I want you to think uh for a minute if you could if you could just kind of imagine you know someone like me being all, all, all nervous about sexuality and how it plays out. What would be the one thing that you would want to say to a person that's a little shy about reading about this and doesn't really know if they're, if they're ready, what would be the wisdom you would want to give to them about your book, sex with God and what they can expect? I think one is that it's very gentle and it's not judgy. You don't have to worry about being condemned because you were part of the purity culture. And you don't have to worry about being condemned because you've had fantasies that have made mm. you feel shamed in the past. Mm. No matter where you are, this book is trying to acknowledge and um, bring beauty to the human experience of, mm-hmm. of sex and, and to let you know that God loves you and God sees you and mm-hmm. God um, 
affirms you and all your hungers um, and is there to, you know, hold your hand. It's, it's a gentle hold your hand kind of book, um, despite mm -hmm. the starkness of some of the content. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time on Labor Day to come and speak to us and, and share your wisdom and all of your gifts through writing. Um, you, you have so much to share and you do it in such a, a loving and kind and gentle way. You know, I've seen it through, through the devotional book and I know that these all, that the rest of the books are going to be that, that type of gentleness that, that I can feel that I'm in a safe place to explore that with Go myself ahead. and. Yeah. I'm glad that that's your experience. Yeah. And thank yes. you for having me. I was so glad to talk to you today. <laughs> Yay. Well, and in October, we may have to do it again just to go a little bit deeper into the next book, but we'll see how that all works out. I can't wait to, to have that out. And, and, and when people see the cover, they're going to be just as excited as I was when you shared it online. It was, it was so beautifully done. So guys, thank, thank you. you listeners for coming back each week, supporting, sharing, and subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to see more information and links to connect with Suzanne and Declan and their beautiful Where True Love Is movement, I will have that on the uh, show page at Gay With God at empoweredmidge.podbean.com. And as always, if you are questioning whether you can be gay and be in relationship with God, if you are authentically LGBTQIA+, God has always been within you, even when you didn't know it, you have always been gay with God. Thank you, everybody. See you next week. Stay tuned to hear how you can join the Gay with God community. And our Gay with God Facebook group is up and running, and we have started the Faith Journey Zoom group each month. And if you want to join that, we would love to have you. If you are coming out and you have a Faith Journey story that you want to tell, but you don't really know how to do it, you can connect with me at empoweredmidge.podbean.com. Scroll all the way down to the bottom and see how you can connect with me in coaching or to be a guest on the podcast. We would love to have you. See you guys next week. Bye. I want to invite you to become a part of the Gay With God community. How can you do that? Stay connected by messaging me your thoughts and comments in the comment section under the downloads of the show on the Gay With God show page. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen and share, share, share so we can increase our community outreach and be a light to those who are struggling to claim their faith. Consider being a sponsor so I can highlight your service in our community. We are all worthy of respect and a relationship with the God of our understanding. I want to thank you in advance for supporting this podcast. Together, we as a community will keep this show visible and our community stronger. Deep gratitude to my friend Tim McClendon of Tim McClendon Music for allowing me to use an excerpt from Interlude 4, a song found on his CD entitled Sundance.